The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. Hello you gorgeous little and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast, Edinburgh. Apparently I can't say Edinburgh, there we go, Edinburgh Festival Fringe Series 2022. Uh, today Louise and I talk to writer, performer, all-round amazing human Sophie Bentick. Um, Sophie discusses her show Polly, which is about her grandmother, her mother, herself, three generations of women. Pauline is a really... Uh, important play bringing up lots of important issues and the discussion about a grandmother mother daughter how all those things weave together sophie is absolutely brilliant and and what a life she has led and um you you'll get to hear some little ambiance of uh, the festival as Louise and I and Sophie all sat outside in the blazing sunshine and recorded this podcast, so enjoy that. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty, Facebook Persistent and Nasty, leave us a wee email at persistentandnasty at gmail.com. Remember to like, subscribe, download the podcast, it makes such a huge difference to the algorithm, so you know get on that for today's episode oh because it was sunny something light so maybe like uh maybe even just like a lovely cool glass of water with some lemon oh no actually with some cucumber and strawberry yes Uh, or a cool bottle of beer uh non-alcoholic beer um, wine, rum, whatever you really want, coffee, hot chocolate even, you know, go for whatever you wish. As always, you can just have a good old cup of tea, sit back, relax and enjoy. Well hello and welcome to another episode of the Persistent and Nasty podcast at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Today we have the wonderful Sophie Bentink with us. Yay! <laughs> We're sitting outside. We're sitting it's outside. absolutely beautiful. Which never happens in Scotland, so everyone's lost their minds, not going to shows, throwing themselves into the ocean. <laughs> yeah, the, these next few days could be quiet, mm-hmm. so... You know, if you've got a show, don't panic. People will come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sophie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Just tell us about your show. Tell the people where they can see it. Tell it how how it all came into being. So it's a one-woman show um, that I wrote and that I performed. And it first came into being... um, it started in 2018 is when I started writing it, so it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. But it was supposed to come up to the fringe in 2020. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it got cancelled. Um, and it it's a, it's called Pauline, and it's about my, my grandma, my maternal grandmother. So my mum's mum was called Pauline, and I didn't know her or anything about her um, because she died of an overdose in 1967. Okay. So that's all I did know about her. My mum didn't really speak about her. And then 
I started thinking about her and whether or not some of the things that I was going through might have some roots in some family history that I didn't know about and I just wanted to know more about her. I didn't have a grandmother on either side, so mm -hmm. it was a bit like, hmm, I want to know. And so I asked, started asking my mum about her and I did some recorded interviews with my mum where I just like plopped the phone down and asked mum loads of questions. And then initially mum was going to be in the show with me. Oh. Um, but, and we were supposed to do it in 2020. So I was going to bring my mum up to the fringe and I was like, is this the <laughs> <a good> idea? <laughs> mm, mm. You can see there being pros and cons. Yeah, that? yeah. yeah. That'd be good. Anyway, obviously didn't happen because of COVID. And then really sadly, my mum developed uh, rapid onset Alzheimer's oh. during um, the pandemic, which I think was actually quite common. Like it was something which pushed people that yeah. were maybe starting to lose their memory like it really accelerated things for a lot of people and that was the case with my mum and so then the recordings that I had of her had a completely different meaning yeah. because it was suddenly like oh wow I sort yeah. of managed to like get all of mm. your memories out of you right before you lost them all yeah so then I rewritten the show because it's now so now it's much more about the three of us it's much more about um three generations of women in one family and uh but um, Pauline's, Pauline was just a massive joker and I found her diaries, which I didn't even know existed. And she wrote diaries every day of her life and she was just, she was a huge pisshead. <laughs> <laughs> and she was, she shagged literally everyone. Um, Go Pauline. Had amazing yeah. taste in music and she was just amazing. And she, uh, so there's a lot of her diaries in it. And then to sort of counterbalance that, there's a lot of my teenage diaries in it. <laughs> <laughs> trying to make it fair which are excruciatingly embarrassing but this, yeah it sort of put, sets the two against each other yeah yeah that must be like beautiful but also heartbreaking for you as well like that kind of re-listening to your mum telling her stories but n you know knowing that she can't tell them anymore there must yeah. be like so many levels and layers to that that's just like yeah it is really tough like it took me quite a long time to revisit the recordings yeah. I sort of put everything to one side and was like oh I wasn't expecting this twist in the story and I don't know if I can really deal with it and then there's actually a scene in the show which is like the scene when I first decided okay I'm gonna have a listen um to her and yeah it was it was a strange experience because in a way I was really happy when I was listening to them like yeah. it was a really nice overwhelmingly nice feeling yeah but then obviously then what happened is I, I thought, oh great, oh god, oh I have mum, and then I went to ring her, and then I, the, the like plummet yeah. from that mm. point of like, oh no, like that's just a recording that is great that it exists, but you know it's like when you hear people like ringing their loved ones' aunts' phones yeah. after, it's that kind of a thing where you're like, I have these recordings, and you can hear us proper making each other laugh, mm -hmm. and like just our relationship as it was, and it's great. But yeah, it's tough. It is really tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's. I mean, I mean to put that and you put that in the show as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking hell. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just feel like people. Uh, Alzheimer's is such a. Everybody knows it exists. Mm -hmm. It's like you just know. And I feel like in, for me, I was just like, oh god, that's the worst thing that could ever. Happen. Do you know what I mean? That's just the worst thing that could ever happen, and it won't happen, obviously, to, to me or anyone I know. That mm -hmm. way that you do. 
and now that it is happening to me and it is really 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 hard to deal with but also like I can, I'm dealing with it yeah. but one of the things that's hardest is just how little how sort of taboo it feels to talk about it it's like mm. it's one of the subjects actually both of the subjects of my show suicide and Alzheimer's are two things that people tend to be a bit like yeah, yeah. Oh, and they just don't know what to say and yeah. like, but that's kind of why I wanted to make the show and like carry on with it is to be like it's, I don't think it helps anybody that's going through something really hard for them to feel like it's really not cool for them to talk about yeah. it yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's that thing isn't it that art can do and theatre can do it's like somebody will come and see your show and be like fuck that's my life yeah, yeah. and I totally thought I was on my own and that nobody else would have experienced that but actually or somebody's experienced something similar so it's just that that kind of realization that you're not by yourself yeah and how kind of validating and supportive that is yeah i mean i love it so much the messages i get from people like or the stories that they tell me afterwards like that is does feel like oh that's really why i do it you know people write to you they're like oh my god thank you like this 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 they've got their personal story that somehow relates and you do feel like oh i'm really glad that saw my show and that it made you feel that way mm. you know it sounds like an obvious thing to say but it's such a nice feeling yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, yeah so, okay. so um performance wise like is this your first show at the festival yeah yeah yeah, yeah. How's in, that on the di- in the deep end <laughs> i know you have gone in the deep end solo Sorry. show written it yourself so like characteristic of me <laughs> <laughs> by i got here and i was like huh may have fitted off more than I could chew <laughs> finally um, but yeah no yeah because it's so personal yeah it's tough it is tough but it's it's like I said it's audience response has been making it really nice yeah it's hard work though yeah and you had been had you been at the festival before as an audience member I'd like been, you kind yeah. of knew what to yeah, expect yeah, right yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my boyfriend's um, done it quite a few times okay. so I'd been up to see him and but yeah, everybody's like, oh, the fringe is so hard. And it's just so typical for me to be like, what do you mean? It's going to be great. I can do it. And I, got, you know, I was like, oh, it's really hard. Mean. <laughs> yeah. I've got to do it yeah. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do it every day. <laughs> you know, you, you do that thing of like, it'll be fine. Every day yeah. it'll be fine. And then you get here and you're like, oh, fuck, every day? Yeah, 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 yeah. Every what? day. <laughs> and time moves differently because suddenly you're just like, you've you've done a week and you feel like you've been here your entire mm. life yeah the concept of time just, has really yeah, gone it, out the window it really does like it's like you know we're only on what technically what day are we wednesday um, this is wednesday of week so one we're, so we're only on Officially. day five really <laughs> yeah. day six and it's like it feels like i've been here a month already <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like, yeah it's just mental yeah <laughs> um so what was your background before coming to the festival with your solo show have you been <laughs> acting performing writing yeah well I went to drama school um I went to drama school quite late uh on I went um when I was 28 yeah, so me too. did you I did yeah hey. <laughs> um so the, yeah I graduated um in 2018 from Lambda and then I've been mainly I've been working on this I pretty much started this sort of project straight away kind of Mm. like oh my god I need something to do Um, and then yeah it's been sort of 
I guess the the aesthetically gel. I've been doing a lot more writing recently. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually have been doing a lot more writing recently. Um, but it's, it's called my show. It's called Polly. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But the show, uh, there, Olivia Coleman and Phoebe Waller-Bridge set up this um, award yeah. called Screenshot in, yeah. um, to kind of scoop people up who had shows that were supposed to go to the fringe that didn't go and I was like that's me um so I applied and I got through to the final with that which was amazing I got to perform 10 minutes of it at the Royal Court and it was the judges were Phoebe Waterbridge, Olivia Coleman, uh, Rosie um Jones and Lolly Adafofe yeah, and yeah and no it was pressure. literally like <laughs> The f- one of the first things that happened after COVID. Oh, so yes. I hadn't even really been around people. <laughs> and suddenly I was there and I was like, wow, this is overwhelming. This is so bizarre. You're our second guest who did that and was in the final. Who? So Don Sivright. Scottish blonde. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Hers is about um, a woman who stops drinking. Oh my God. She was amazing. <laughs> she was amazing. Is so she, she was here yesterday, but um, <laughs> she's a hers has been picked up for a pilot. Yeah, for us, so yeah, she's in surprised. the she's in the middle of storyboarding and all of that. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. So that's so strange Big because like yeah, yeah. I know because Don yeah Don and I are really good pals. So it's just when you said that there, I was like, fuck, how fucking weird is this yeah. world? Like <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, yeah. She came on last and just fucking blew everybody's socks off. She was amazing. <laughs> I was like. like <laughs> no, I'm sure not. Like to get no. to the final of that, like there was some amazing writers. Yeah, and yeah, performers. I came runner yeah. up, so it was great. I mean, it was great, and uh, and so that was a big sort of like boost for the show and just for me in general as a as a writer. Mm. Um, and then I started, um, I started just kind of doing some journaling, I guess is what you would call it, but it was like writing that was more like a memoir style writing, but it was very new to me. I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I was doing it. And then I applied for this memoir writing course that was through Curtis Brown, and I got the scholarship. There's a writer called Kathy Rensenbrink, who's brilliant, who's written um, quite a lot of memoirs, um, and she like selected me to do that. So then I've been sort of adapting this, because this story about my grandma and my mum and everything, it's so big. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like getting it into one hour on stage with just me. Yeah. It's like a bit of a mad format for such a large thing. Yeah. So I started writing it into the book and then this, so this um, version of the show that I'm doing here is like a, a sort of merge between the two. It's got some of the bits that I wrote for the book in it and some of the bits of the old show in it and sort of finding the middle ground between those two places. Oh, I love that though. It's mm. like total, total collaborative of your own work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like a head fuck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you find out about, um, like, because obviously you said that you didn't know a lot about your grandmother, but like, what was one it, and you found out that she was total wild and yeah. she sounds like a proper free spirit. Yeah, like, she was. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything in it that you kind of went, oh, fuck, that's me. Like, I see, like, I can, you know, that way genetics starts to happen and yeah. you're like, oh, wow, okay. Is yeah, like I mean, that? I think there's a really interesting line between, like, it's fun to be a party girl yeah. and the, like, flip side of that. And I can really see that in her story. When I read her diaries, it's like, she was very fun and you can tell that she was like the life and soul of a party and people loved that about her and then it sort of tipped 
fucked over into mm. like actually just quite sad alcoholism and mm. like and that's something which I have been really interested in in, in terms of me and my story because it's very like I don't know like I think moving into my like mid 30s it was like all my 20s were very like I was like you know the mate that you rang if you wanted to get fucked up <laughs> and it's funny when you like start to realise that and then other people are like settling down and yeah. you're like and so there's there's definitely that and like and just also the fact that she wrote so much like mm, she wrote all yeah. these short stories which are which are really good like they're really well written now that I've like transposed them into scenes in the play I'm like it's a brilliant like as an actor this is yeah. so good to act <laughs> yeah um so that as well because obviously I'm doing a lot more writing now and I feel like oh maybe I've got that from her yeah yeah, yeah. sounds like it yeah so sure. that's really nice yeah what's the kind of challenges been for you do you think like because you mentioned obviously the two topics of like suicide and alzheimer's being in the show like do you have you found it challenging in some ways to approach that with how audiences can react yeah. sometimes yeah i do find it challenging like i don't know how they're gonna they're gonna find it and um, last night actually i went to i met these women that were um raising money for a, ch a charity called um it's right it's sobs which is support for people who have been bereaved by suicide right and i met them because they were right they were they had a bucket outside a different show uh which is about suicide which is called um let's talk about philip which i really want to see i haven't seen it yet but i went and got chatting to them and they were like why don't you come along um we're having a lucky meeting and so i went to that and it was like such a profound experience like it was honestly so um, I mean amazing that they, they that that's what it boils down to do you know what I mean it's like people sitting in a room and just like trying to offer support to each other and it's like such an awful awful thing to go through and there's a lot of different feelings of like is this okay for me to be putting this on stage but then their their response was so like they were so pleased. They were so pleased that there mm -hmm. was three shows at the Fringe that were deep that were talking about suicide. Yeah, because mm. they were like, you know, I think it's you just feel really alienated mm. if you've been through something like that. Even with me telling people, oh, I was writing a play about the fact that my nan um, died by suicide, I often feel a bit like, you know, it's not exactly. People are like, what are you doing? You're like at a party. Like, <laughs> people sort of backing away. Like, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But it would be nice if it if it wasn't. And I feel the same way with mum. Like with mum, it's just like, yeah, but it is really sad. But it's also just what's happening to me. Yeah, so if I yeah. can't talk about it, and it doesn't, let, you know, and you do sort of look for the comedy in things. Oh and God, the show yeah, yeah. definitely totally. does that. Like there's a lot of comedy with somebody like losing their memory, obviously. Um, but yeah, I've just hoped to, to the audiences can sort of can feel that. But mm -hmm. it can be really scary to perform it. You suddenly get really paranoid and you think, oh god, that person hates that. And do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can be really tough. Yeah, as performers, we really get in our own heads sometimes, don't we? Like, it's awful. <laughs> I had a really bad one of it today. Yeah. Yeah. I was just convinced everybody hated me. I think everybody was just hot. <laughs> yeah, they were yeah, probably hating the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were probably and probably had been at another show and had like walked yeah. in the heat to get there. Like, yeah, or had that.
that's stressful trying to get on time for a show mm-hmm. yeah. when yeah. you come out of another show that's gone up late because nothing yeah. ever goes <laughs> up on time. That, that's happening particularly this year. I haven't been to a single show and I've been to quite a few so far. You have. Um, that has gone up on time no. or come down on time. No. So I've been running around sweating my tits off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's not what we're here to talk about. <laughs> we're not here to talk about my sweaty tits. But it's all so, part of it, right? It's yeah. like what's going on in that day because you know an audience I think as well like audiences don't realise the power they can have on a performance mm-hmm. because their energy they don't get that they, the energy they bring into a room can affect you on stage no matter how trained and fucking brilliant we all are when somebody's sitting with their arms folded and fucking making a face at you you're like oh. it literally makes yeah. you make, I, t- today I had a moment where I was like is there an ejector button <laughs> like could I get out of here today <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but you know, they all walked out crying. I think as well with my shows, you get days where people are really laughing yeah. at all the funny bits, and then you get days where people are really sort of connecting to all the sad bits. And I think I find it hard as a performer to believe that they're still getting loads out of it and enjoying it yeah. if they're not like cracking up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's that thing. I mean, obviously, we haven't seen your show yet, but um, we will be seeing it. <laughs> um, but it's that thing, like. Even if somebody in their in their own life doesn't know someone who has um, Alzheimer's or dementia or someone who has committed suicide, it's the grief. Everybody experiences grief at some point in their life. Yeah. Like, of, of whatever kind of form that grief is, whether it's a parent, grandparent, sibling, aunt, child, you know, it's grief is one of the parts of life that we can't avoid. No. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things with, the, with this is that both losing somebody to suicide and losing somebody to Alzheimer's is categorised as ambiguous grief, which is something which I've been learning a lot more about recently, where you don't get the normal rites of passage around death, yeah. which allow you to kind of grieve in a normal, in quote unquote, like way. Because with my grandma, because she died in 1967, it was, I think it was still, a, it was still like a crime. Yeah. Um, it was definitely extremely shameful. And so they didn't even have a funeral. Oh God. Um, for her. Which leaves trauma. Which leaves yeah. this kind of, and the same thing when somebody, like when you're losing somebody to Alzheimer's, you don't get, you know, nobody's sending you flowers. There's yeah. no like kind of delineated sense of loss, but you're sort of in this, very slow, yeah. free fall loss, and it's a really specific type of grief. And I, ju- I do think that as a culture, we don't have enough awareness of that. And I think with COVID, a lot of people had some quite ambiguous grief because they didn't get funerals for their yes. family members. Yeah. They didn't. So as a sort of like globally, it's it's something which is kind of very present at the moment, and that's one of the things. I guess I'm hoping to sort of draw some awareness around with the shows that like loss is not always completely clear cut like definitely not yeah yeah so yeah that's just it's interesting I said this as well to the cast of Blood Harmony because theirs was I was uh, saying to Sophie having seen it it's also a play about grief and it's it's that thing of like a loss will stay with you for the rest of your life it just comes in different shapes and forms throughout your life Mm -hmm. so 
we have this idea that when someone dies you have the funeral that's it mm. and it's like okay why are you still talking about it mm. you're still talking about it because you're going to continue to process that for yeah for forever and yeah. and people handle trauma in different ways and loss yeah. is a form of trauma and i think people like speaking from experience both for myself and loved ones if you're not dealing with it with it in the moment because some people shut down and then it comes it arrives later down the line yeah. and it's like loss all over again but a different kind yeah um so there's not a linear or like you say clear-cut approach to any of this yeah um and which is why you're right it's important to talk about it you just need to like like speak and talk about what it's it also is why important like theater and art and writing are there because again somebody who might have been like shoving all that down comes to see something and it just maybe lets that little bit of air out that needed to come out and then they can hopefully start processing stuff mm-hmm. or they it. go in a spiral and need to I go and get absolutely fucked up for a few <laughs> yeah. days like yeah. you know but I think when I started the process obviously this was before my mum was ill like I was coming from a very millennial kind of like hands on hip <laughs> like you didn't process your trauma <laughs> lucky for you I'm gonna help you <laughs> <laughs> We're doing some generational trauma here, yeah, like, Mom. Mom, come yeah. on, make a little joke. That was very much my vibe. Oh god! And obviously, it's been like such a journey for I me. I fucking hate us, like millennials. We're such <laughs> arseholes. Like I hate us. And I'm a geriatric millennial as well, which makes me want to be stuck in my mouth. Like what the fuck? <laughs> Sorry, keep this going. No, but obviously, it's been such a journey for me, like because I didn't know that my mum was gonna get Alzheimer's and you know, I, I just could never have predicted that that was gonna happen. And and obviously in a way, like I had this idea or I was on some sort of crusade that I was gonna like fix her. Mm, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, you, you know, you, you, you're saying you're fine, but you're not. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, and then I've had to battle a lot of like, oh my God, was it, was it my fault? Because I prodded around, do you know what I mean? Like she had a system and, I prodded around in her system and maybe I shouldn't have done that and it you know that's so typical of somebody that's going through something traumatic is to find an internalized way of blaming yeah. yourself luckily yeah. I've got a therapist who can explain <laughs> that to me um, but you know like I think it, I hope that other, another thing I hope when people see the show is that it makes them ask questions to like other family members of things that they felt a bit like because I want to think oh fuck like she like you know not everybody's mum is going to suddenly get Alzheimer's and it might really be great to sort of improve the relationship and then break the kind of silence around really difficult difficult things um so yeah that's another you know like the thing of like call your man call your man Mm. (laughs) I'm gonna ask maybe I hope it's not a difficult question and I mean hopefully we can frame it in a way that doesn't give any spoilers away but the copy says for your show says you found a suicide note Mm. And I'm curious, um, did you know, like, because you, st- you start, when we started the conversation, you gave us a bit of context that all you knew about your gran when you started this journey was that she died of an overdose. Mm. So had, had it been sort of presented to you as like kind of shadowy, like, like not much information, and then you found the note and that gave you more information? In terms in of the sort of intentionality yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, no, it was always framed to me as an intentional thing okay and it's actually the reverse like in in doing lots of research about her um i think my theory is that it was less intentional than 
than ah. like than that. The no is when I when I got all of the information, like all ev- gathered everything from everybody that variously had bits of paper that pertained to her. This was the the presented to me as the no. Okay. And I think the reason for that is is that she discusses in this piece of writing some of the kind of final straws mm. that were associated with what happened. So but it's not it's not a sort of like typical what you would imagine kind of like I've written this because I'm I know I'm gonna do this. It's it's mm. not as clear as that. Um I think you know, when you asked me earlier, like, is there similarities between you? Like, one of the things I really have noticed about her is this kind of, I think she was capable when she was unhappy of a real, real degree of recklessness. Mm. Like, just not giving a fuck about her safety and, like, whether or not, you know, like, there's a lot of, like, drove home drunk, unable to see. And, like, I think she, and not that, like, but I recognise that. I recognise mm. that mm. just like, oh, fuck it. Like, yeah. I don't fucking care. And I think it was more like that. I think it was more like, see what, like, less intentional and more r- recklessness Reckless. yeah. as a result of profound unhappiness mm. and desperation for somebody to pay attention mm. to how unhappy she was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. When you yeah. find the note, how, like, when you were given it and I'm assuming it's in her handwriting and everything yeah. like like that moment what was that like because when you don't know someone but they're connected to you in whatever way it is I always find seeing their handwriting is like a whole thing yeah mm. her handwriting I mean the whole like the first time I got the diaries and they're like all there's like a stack of them these like really small leather bound books and like my uncle just gave them to me I put them in my bag. I remember walking, I was like, I can't believe he's at home. And so I went to Kentish Town. I live in Kentish Town in London, and I went to Kentish Town Library. And I remember walking down there with this, I've never felt so much like weight of a mm. thing. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh my God. And then I sat there and like opened them up, and it was just jokes because everybody in the library was a teenager who was only there to charge their phone. <laughs> It was honestly such a joke time. It was just loads of teenagers like sitting around. They obviously all came in there to charge their phone, and then just me like having this absolute moment, like (laughs) pouring over these leather-bound diaries. So yeah, no, it was very emotional. It was very emotional, and like reading the last entry because obviously her diary just ends. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It just ends. Fuck yeah. Yeah, just ends. You just turn the page, and because she died in January. There's loads of rest Space. of the book. Do you know what I mean? And mm. it just stops. And it, that was, yeah. you know, like... I think that's part of the reason it's taken me so fucking long to do it. Yeah. Because it's, uh, it's hard. It's been hard to do it. You know, every time I delve into the diaries, I'm... It's a bit like when you go and you fall into a YouTube rabbit hole. Do you mm. know what I mean? I just get sucked in. Yeah. I'm like... <gasps> right. It's interesting that you say it's taken you so long to do it, but, you know, like, life has happened. The pandemic has happened. And I kind of want to go, like, four years to create something so personal mm-hmm. isn't really long. And I think, like, our industry has this really bad habit of going, if you're not got it like that, and you're not moving, and you're not fucking successful by 30, you fucked it. Yeah. And it's like, well, actually, things take as long as they take. Yeah, yeah. 
and everything else has got its place to play in that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so just don't worry. I have to say, don't fucking worry. It That's took you. It took you how it took you, and it's brought you to where you are now. Yeah. 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 And it's a different show than it would have been had you had you done it really quickly. Such a different show. Yeah. 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 So embrace it. You're welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> so, Sophie, you said that you started drama school at 28. Yeah. Um, so what did you do before it? I worked in the music industry as a tour manager for bands. Oh, wow. Nice. That's the second time today that it's been like, oh, <laughs> didn't see that coming. And That's so interesting. Yeah. We had a robot programmer. Yes. Wow. Before we got wow. And a marine biologist. And a marine biologist. Oh, wow. So, That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. tell us more about tell that. Tell us more about that. <laughs> so yeah, I saw. And tell us about being a woman in that industry as yeah. well. Yeah, really yeah. hard actually being a woman in that industry. Being quite a sort of like small woman as well, <laughs> like just sort of quite sort of not. I don't know. Just not. I mean, like, luckily I've got the deep voice, which gets me some authority. But uh, <laughs> they don't expect you. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was difficult. Tour <laughs> managers. I mean, it's just a thankless task mm. it really is like, yeah. I think I just wanted I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I left uni I was quite I was just really lost and pissed off and I just wanted to go to festivals and take drugs and have fun <laughs> and Fair. so I was yeah. like so I'll work in the music industry and uh, I sort of fell into it that way and and then obviously I was really good at it because I'm very organised and um, I'm very good at delegating so and people were often actually really looking for a woman and there's so few women in that industry um but a lot of women are the lead singer of bands that have only male musicians and they don't they don't want to be the only woman on the road yeah mm. so uh, for my first job i got because of that reason and also because they, they were looking for a woman who spoke french and i speak french so um and that was with an artist called fatimata diawara who's a malian singer so it was like toured the world with her and had a really I mean it was hard um, but it was also when I look back at it I'm like wow that was mad yeah <laughs> I was really young as well like yeah and I just think I just didn't really realize how sort of like amazing what I'd fallen into yeah. was and then I worked with an artist called Nao who's quite well known and um, doing really well but then I that's around the time when I decided I wanted to go to drama school so I I wanted to follow my own dreams. I basically stood at the side of a stage in like black leggings and a black birdhouse jacket. You know, that's what. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I just we were at Glastonbury, and I love Glastonbury. I've been every year since I was like fifteen, and uh, I was like at the side of the stage at Glastonbury, and I should have been super happy because it was like my work had taken me to yeah. Glastonbury. Do you know what I mean? That was kind of the whole plan. The point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I was there, and I was just like. When did I decide that I stand on the side of stages wishing to be invisible? <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that dramatic uh, writer. Yeah. It's such a dramatic writer actor yeah. line as well. <laughs> like I could just see like, well, that was dramatic. I know what I need to be doing. <laughs> so then I was like, fuck it, I'm gonna try and get to drama school. Um, was there any kind of like was that just Yeah, where did it come from? Was there any history of like performance or, or had you done it growing up or I did really it just, like, I wanted to do it so badly like when I was a kid I was like obsessed with the idea that I was going to go to drama school and um I went on and on, on about it and then when I was 
this is such a like get your violins out story <laughs> but I fucking when I was 11 or 10 I got like down to the final two to be Hermione and Harry Potter <gasps> <laughs> everybody's got like this I'm seriously this <laughs> What, the, tw- the twists no, 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 of the podcast like, like, are just, just like find things out that are just like super exciting. One of our guests earlier on was a Doctor Who, who? like oh, uh, talking about Matt Smith and their relationship. I was like, look, you don't keep that. You lead with that. Come on. <laughs> like. yeah, so then so was, Emma Watson, she beat me. She beat you. Because I was only Jeez. ten, and they were already. It was already because I was too old. Old at ten. So, so the, sorry, again, final two, is that what you just said? Yeah, final two. So between you and Emma Bloody Watson? Yeah, so I went, it was the, it was the summer between primary and secondary, <laughs> and I was like, well, I won't be going to secondary, I'll be getting homeschooled on set. I just I'll be, knew, I'll I, be, I, I'll I knew be going it. to Hogwarts. I knew it. I knew this was going to happen in my life, that's obviously going to be me. But there was just no doubt in my mind that I was definitely going to get it, and then I didn't, and... <sighs> It just completely crushed me. It really did crush oh. me, and I just was like, right, fuck that shit, and I'm I'm gonna get a new identity, and that's gonna be I'm gonna be the naughtiest. Fuck Hogwarts. Yeah. Fuck Hogwarts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I was just like in secondary school, and I went, you know, I just my teen. I was just, a, I mean, I play myself as a teenager in the show, and I read my teenage diaries. I was like, it was like a full persona. I was completely committed to the role of like bad girl god there's another french show in that like, <laughs> i know right <laughs> almost hermione but not not and i stopped telling people I, I was interested in acting at all i didn't do any acting until until i was 25 and i started trying to get into drama school wow that's all. so interesting yeah. wow and then you went to lambda yeah, at 20 went to lambda. three years to get in and then i got into lambda and i was like Whoa! <laughs> i mean i've been so happy in my yeah life. Amazing. As another fellow uh, late attendee of drama school, were you kind of the oldest one yeah, there? Yeah. yeah, me too. That was weird. Yeah, <laughs> it was weird. Because I'd always been the youngest as well, because my brothers are way older than me, and I'm used to being like the little young one in any situation. And I got to drama school, and I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> what are these children doing here? Why? Young people. <laughs> Talking about anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> It's a bit, it's a, it's a trip being it. Oh, oh. oh. you good? Yeah. What happened wind. there? I think it was the wind. The wind. Was Sorry, people, the wind has just knocked Sophie's beer over. <laughs> do you still have some left? You do. Yeah, good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a trip being at drama school at that age. Because I found, because I also have had lived about nine lives um, prior to that moment and yeah. gone through some trauma and blah, blah, blah. Um, hadn't dealt with it, hadn't processed yet, hadn't been therapized, <laughs> and um, I remember just being like, there was a few classes with like these teachers, and I was just like, I'm not. This is you're talking absolute shite. Like I can't deal with it. And I had like, I, it took me a while to like really open up. I, I realized I was quite emotionally closed. Yeah. Um, oh, that's the same. Yeah. The same. And then when the floodgates opened, it was another thing. Yeah. <laughs> How did you find your three years at Lambda? I did two. You did two. Um, 
because I was on the two-year course, not because oh. I, I left. <laughs> I was like, she's left, I'm loving she's, it already. No, no, I was no. like, a blaze of glory, yeah. she walked out, like, no. fuck, I mean, fuck you all! Yeah. <laughs> fuck this knife. No, but that's what I think, if I'd gone when I was younger, that it would have been a very yeah. fuck you all energy. Like, I would never have been able to take the criticism that you mm. had to be able to take. I think it was only because I was older and I had really... I'd gone out, I'd worked, I'd realised it wasn't making me happy. I, it was really clearly what I wanted to do, that I could take that level of criticism. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I just had a kind of like pinch yourself, can't believe I'm here type of time. Like, mm. I just, it was such a dream, do you know what I mean? It was such a kind of like, I'd had it on such a pedestal for such right. a long time that, and I really... I don't, I'm not the kind of person, I mean, my, my mate made me do positive affirmations before my final audition, but I generally don't go into things thinking this is going to work out for me. Mm. I don't, I don't think that. I didn't go to the, kind. and when I got to drama school and it was like everybody went to private school and I feel like they did have that kind of attitude. Yeah. yeah. And I really didn't, like that isn't, my school did not make me think that that, that was going to happen for me. Yeah. Um, so I I was really just so fucking happy to be there and so fucking happy to like be told what to do all day every day but <laughs> yeah. I didn't yeah. have to think about what my next move do you know what I mean it was like I was just there but at the same time it's really hard like they break you yeah. down mm -hmm. they break you down they gave me so much shit about my face and my accent in the first like month uh, that by the, and by the end of the first term I was like I don't know how to open my mouth and I don't know how to arrange my face yeah. <laughs> anymore. I'm like, I don't understand what's wrong with your face or your voice. So my face looks like this if I don't understand what you're saying. Right. <laughs> Which it was taken as being very aggressive. <laughs> oh, um, fuck off. And no, I no. had like a London accent and they were like, wanted me to have an Aussie act to speak um, like more posh. Basically. Why? I think now that wouldn't be the case. I think it's so stupid. It's like every, most of the most of the people there spoke like that. So why did you? I don't know. But now my accents. I mean, I do like a million accents in the show, but my accents so all over the place now. I don't really know who I'm. Because it's traumatized. Not of the time. <laughs> it's yeah. like, <laughs> yep. Can I speak in my own voice? No. Oh! Yeah. yeah. God fucking drama school. Yeah. Drama school. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, you finished. You did the two years. Yes. Left left thought oh my fucking god what am I gonna do now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and started writing this play yeah and that's basically what I've been doing and then Amazing. we lost two years there was two years was, of pandemic yeah yeah so those don't count um and yeah I've just been doing more writing I've been writing some like screenplay type stuff I'm trying to write about school but a bit of my experience at school because I went to quite a mad school um and yeah, just, just plodding along. Amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Give everybody the details of where they can see Pauline Sophie, please. So it's at the Pleasance um, Courtyard at Bunker 2 at 12.20. Great time as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great time. Yeah, it's it is a good time. Catch yeah. it. First show of the day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Have a cry. Have a cry, have a laugh. Straight to the pub, nobody judges call this festival. Your call your nan. <laughs> call your nan. I mean, I call mine on you do the reg. Every day. I do. But pre not quite every day, but yeah, um, I definitely call mine a lot. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we like to ask a question before we finish up, Sophie. Mm -hmm. And the question is um, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? So 
a little bit of background. When we started PNN a million years ago, it feels like, <laughs> um, we started it very much in a kind of like, where the fuck are all the scripts for women in their 30s that don't talk about boyfriends? Yeah. Um, we couldn't find any, so we were like, cool, we'll just start our own. But in that moment, Louise was like, well, let's have it to fuck you to the system. So we took like two very political things at the time, which was the nevertheless she persisted yeah, by yeah. Elizabeth Warren. And um, the reclaiming of the word nasty after the former president called Hillary Clinton a nasty, nasty woman. Yeah. yeah, and all of that. So, yeah. Sophie Bentink, what does persistent and nasty mean to you? <laughs> what to be persistent and to be what nasty. What does it mean to yeah. you? What does it make you feel? What does it make you think? What does it, yeah. I mean, persistence is like a massive thing for me. Like this, this I would never, ever, ever be here making a show if yeah. it wasn't for just like absolute, like dogged persistence. <laughs> and I don't think I maybe would have had that level of persistence if it hadn't have been such a like important story yeah. for me. Yeah. Like, and it's required a lot of that, obviously, with the pandemic. And there's been so many things that have gone wrong along the way. Yeah. Um, so persistence is like, I think it's really important. And I think you've just got to fucking have it. And yeah. like, you know when you're doing something that you really care about because you just fucking keep going. Yeah. Even when you get knocked down every single time. And like, nasty, <laughs> nasty just kind of makes me think about like, like when I'm like on the dance floor and yeah. there's like a sick beat that drops <laughs> and I'm like not gonna be like girly in my dance moves yeah. but I'm just gonna fucking go for it claim your space yeah. right yeah. yeah yes I love it love it I wanna love get it nasty. yeah I love it I mean Sophie I'm really hoping that everybody comes and sees the show and um, I'm really excited to see it I think it's so important that you're bringing this story and having these conversations and I know that there'll be so many audience members that are just going to feel really happy that they're being represented mm -hmm. at the festival yeah. so thank you for doing it oh and thank thanks. you guys so much thank you for your yeah. time today thank you for coming and chatting with us it's, it's been so, nice. so fascinating yeah. what, a, what an interesting and very very incredible life you've had <laughs> yeah, like, I love it I love it I'm well, glad you're writing a memoir because I'll read that I'll go buy that yes. <laughs> definitely one about your um music days as well yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean that's a that's a film script right there yeah. you've got you've got content you've, for days you, girl. you really do what you're like write what you know yeah fucking no let's go <laughs> <laughs> oh sophie thank you so much and until next time lovely listeners stay, stay nasty, nasty.